Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. We're back. We're back. Maybe better than ever. Maybe not. I don't know, but a pleasant, good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Trace Fowler, and this is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The MLB playoffs begin today. And one might think that would be the biggest story in the sport, but that was until Trevor Bauer released a 3 minute and 51 second story that basically told his side. Considering the video has 40.4 million views and counting, I'd venture to guess that you've seen it. However, one might ask, why in the hell are that many people watching a Trevor Bauer video? And I think the answer is relatively pretty straightforward. Trevor Bauer is a controversial figure. Rightfully so, I might add. Some disdain for Trevor began back in 2019. He released statements to Sports Illustrated's Ben Ryder saying, and I quote, I have three rules when discussing about dating women. One, no feelings. As soon as I sense you're developing feelings, I'm going to cut you off because I'm not interested in a relationship and I'm emotionally unavailable. Two, no social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. And three, I sleep with other people. I'm going to continue to sleep with other people and if you're not okay with that, we won't sleep together and that's perfectly fine. We can just be perfectly polite, platonic, Friends, I imagine if I was married at this point, I would be a very bad husband. Now, Trevor Bauer said those things back in uh, 2019 when he was 28 years old, and that ruffled many's feathers, I would want to understand. Certainly, many will find discomfort in that, and like I said, rightfully so. Yet in the fact that he's been very emotional on the field, he once launched a baseball over the center field fence when Terry Francona asked for the ball. And it clearly stated that Trevor Bauer might have some immaturity. However, immaturity and criminality aren't the same exact thing. They don't go hand in hand. And it almost felt as soon as Trevor was accused of his sexual misconduct and abuse... All those that didn't like Trevor, they decided to want to dunk on him. The court of public opinion swarmed. Major League Baseball then banned Trevor Bauer. Again, the public then ridiculed him once more, assuming that Major League Baseball certainly was in the right. And he, all the time, maimed that he was completely innocent. Trevor's taken a liking to documenting his life has a successful YouTube channel where he goes behind the scenes, shares glimpses of, of, of his opinions on certain things, and also just behind the scenes of, of his day-to-day -day job uh, that is being a Major League Baseball player. And I'm sure the Major League Baseball headquarters were not really big fans of that. It's hard to control a narrative in a clubhouse, and certainly they didn't want their reputation in the hands of Trevor Bauer, certainly considering the previous comments he's made. 
Accusations came out. Trevor Bauer then suspended and unpaid for two years. That forced him to pitch in Japan. Despite early struggles, he did post a 10-4 record with a 2.7 ERA, 130 strikeouts to 33 walks. That's pretty good for, for, for many that said that he had a horrible season and was pretty bad. You add in the fact that uh, if you're into an advanced analytics, something Bauer has been steadfast in throughout his entire career, last season's Bauer's spin rates were the best that he's ever had in his entire career, and that in career, might I add, also included a stop in Cincinnati where he won a Cy Young. Now, everything I just said was a factual statement about the situation that happened with Trevor Bauer. Many probably are maybe disgusted by that. Many might think that what I've said is, is maybe an inaccuracy or those things, but genuinely my goal right there was to lay out the facts of what actually happened. Do I seem a little disdained about the situation? Maybe so. And it's more about just society as a whole, but that's here nor there. This is a sports show and we'll keep it at that. The thing that I get confused about is on one hand, we want to ostracize Bauer. But then a week ago, we were thrilled to death. Thrilled to death that Marcel Uzuna hit a 3-0 pitch over the fence to, to tie the game against the Cubs. We all rejoiced. We all were fired up. We are all excited. You add in also the idea that people are screaming for an opportunity to bring a role as Chapman back. Let's get him back in the bullpen. He can help the Reds win. What's the difference between Ozuna, Chapman, and Bow? Is it just the coverage? Is it just the story that was told in the media? That's the question I ask. Now, let me be very clear of what I'm trying to say here. I am not suggesting for a second that you should go to bat for anyone that is accused of a crime. I'm a believer in justice. Injustice. If you do something wrong, you pay a price for it. If you're accused of something that you didn't do, you get an opportunity to see yourself through it before people jump ship and assume that you did whatever it is that they are accusing you of. Is it okay just to suggest that at some point we allow the justice system in our country to do its job and at least showcase the evidence throughout the case, factual evidence that comes through the court before we make an opinion? Because so far, the court of a public opinion has not been all that has not been all that actual factual. Now it'd be the, it'd, it'd be one thing if this was the first time that this has ever happened. But might I remind you Duke Lacrosse. If you'd like to watch it, there's a 30 for 30 on it. Sean Oakman. If you don't remember Sean Oakman, he was a Baylor football player. Was set to get drafted in the NFL, got accused, later came out, none of it was true, was acquitted, never got a chance to play in the NFL. Matt Ariza, 
Bill's punter was drafted, came out. None of it was true. All I ask is, is not, again, to try to defend people that do bad things. It's just a matter of jumping to conclusions. It's exactly why I've sat here and I'm going to wait and continue to wait on all of the information that is Wander Franco. What's the main argument that I hear about people talking about Wander Franco and why he's guilty right now? It's because Major League Baseball suspended him. They must have something on him. Major League Baseball must know something that none of us know. Oh, really? Major League Baseball. The same one that, 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 that suspended somebody for two years unpaid? I just hope it serves as a lesson, if anything else. Our ancestors built a system, a judicial system in our country that has stood the test of time for a reason. And I'd just like for it to continue to do its job. And we all trust in that judicial system. And if we didn't trust in it, I'd like to think we would be able to vote itself out. All right, moving on. Major League Baseball. They do have four games today that are called the postseason. The Rangers, they travel to the dump that is Tropicana Field. Jordan Montgomery versus Tyler Glass now. Tampa is favored at minus 150. That first pitch is at 308. The Blue Jays, they travel to Minnesota. Twins, they have lost 18 consecutive playoff games. I'll say that again. The Twins have lost 18 consecutive playoff games. They look to Pablo Lopez to snap the streak against Kevin Gazma. He's going for the Blue Jays. The Twins are favored slightly at minus 110. I don't know if that would make me feel a whole lot better if I was a Twins fan. That first pitch is at 438. Diamondbacks, they head to American Family Field to take on the Brew Crew. Brandon Fat versus Corbin Burns. First pitch, 708. Brewers are a minus 185 favorite. And then you have the nightcap at 808. First pitch, that will be the Marlins v. the Phillies. Philadelphia will send Zach Wheeler against the Marlins. Jesus Lazardo. Phillies favorite at minus 165. Kyle Kasky will join the show at 1030. We'll get into Zach Taylor's comments at his presser just yesterday. Tom Brenneman will be on the show tomorrow. And he will be back right here in the saddle on Monday. Now, I see that many of you may disagree with what I had said at the top of the show. But realistically speaking, I don't know if there was a whole lot of opinionated stuff in there. Perhaps there was. Perhaps there wasn't. You guys, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this because obviously it's not in the realm of theoretical um, what would I call it? Traditional sports talk. But the thing is this, we do a sports talk show every single day and, and, and maybe I'm overselling it. Maybe I'm wrong on this and I'll let the two of these guys and certainly Elliot, maybe he's seen it and, and Casey, um, if he has something to say about it, I don't know. But my point is, is that it is without question, in my opinion, the biggest story that happened yesterday in sports. I feel like it would be a little bit of an injustice to not even bring it up and have somewhat of a discussion about the video that we saw. Yeah, I, I, when all this came out, I was, again, I was 
warped. My mind was warped by what I heard on TV and what I saw. I was first on the bandwagon that Trevor Bauer is probably not a great guy. I, I, I found it strange that none of his teammates, none of his – none of former coaches, nobody really – not that I saw at least – came out and was like, no way this is true. No way. We know Trevor. We know Trevor. So I was like, you know what? He's probably a bad teammate. He's probably a bad guy. Yada, yada, yada. Yesterday he released it, and it turns out he was 100% innocent. I, I Again, I, I don't know why the MLB did this. I think – there was evidence, clearly, Trevor Bauer had evidence that he was in the right. So if he had that evidence, I don't know why the MLB continued to blackball him. But that's that's the state of sports. That's the state of society today. I think if, if, I, was, if I were an MLB team, I would be calling Rachel Luba, who is Trevor Bauer's agent. I'd be calling her right now. I'd be calling her right now and, and, and getting him back in the league. I don't know. I, I think he has a right. I don't know if he has a right, I guess – uh, to, does he have a right to sue the MLB? He does, but at the same time, that's what people in the chat are suggesting or people you know, that, that, uh, from the outside suggesting. My only point back to that would be if you're trying to get back in any kind of shape to be able that's to fair. play Major League Baseball, do you really want to sue the, the league in which you're, you're trying to come back to? Probably not. I, I don't know. You know. The thing that's, that's crazy to me, and again, i, I let you continue your point here, is that I don't really think this was about money, to be honest. With, with Trevor. I mean, there really was never a point as to why you would do it for money because the woman that he was accusing or suing didn't have money to really pay him. So I, you know, think he was just seeking the ability yeah. to be able to get the information that would allow him to do the video that he did yesterday, to be honest. The, the most important part of what I took away yesterday, I thought that he had paid her off. And again, that was just from what I thought. I didn't know anything. He did not pay her off. That It just, they, she had no merit and nothing that she said. It was almost seemed like, again, this is an opinion that may or may not be true, but she seemed psychotic, if I'm going to be honest with you. It was a premeditated thing that she was trying to do to Trevor Bauer, and there was evidence that he laid out that defended that point. But it's strange, man. I mean, this, these are the times we live in. Everybody's it, – it's it truly is uh, innocent until proven guilty, or guilty until proven innocent. So if you're going to be guilty until proven innocent, which is not how this works – in, in America, it's it's a tough place to be, especially if you're a celebrity where anybody can really just say you did anything and then people just believe you. So that's a tough place to be. If, I, if, I, if I'm the Reds, if I'm anybody right now, I call Trevor Bauer and I ask him to be a part of the team, part of their team. Still is good stuff. It's not an easy subject to discuss or talk about, so I'm not here to suggest that anyway. You, I mean, you could decline to comment or anything. I just don't want there to be like Trey says a bunch of stuff, and I don't give the two of you at least an opportunity to say something. It's not that you have to. It doesn't mean that you should. I'm just suggesting that I don't want it to be perceived in the room that Trey says a bunch of opinionated stuff in a way in which I tried to be as, as again, I tried to be as, as apprehensive as I possibly could to, to share opinions on how I felt I just wanted to lay out the facts that this is the biggest story in sports yesterday. We do a sports talk show every day. It would be ridiculous not to at least say something about it. It was, um, it was, it was interesting yesterday to see pretty much everybody, because Trey sent out a tweet earlier this year, and it was give him a call or something along that line. It was a picture of Trevor Bowie. He said give him a call. And basically his mentions were flooded with just people making fun of him, making saying, oh, Trevor Bowers this, Trevor Bowers that. 
All those same people yesterday came out and was like, Trevor Bauer's a hero. What he went through is terrible. And we were all wrong. So it is interesting. It is funny uh, a little bit in that sense. But I, the MLB has to do a better job. I, <laughs> Wander Franco is, is dealing with a situation. I'm praying he didn't do the things he did. If, and, and if he didn't, this would be just another thing in, in, in the MLB's checklist of, of wronging players. But again, as of right now, he's under investigation. I'm not going to say anything more about that. But it's crazy that, like, Marcelo Zuna, what he did was on camera in front of a police officer. He's still playing baseball. Right. Aroldis Chapman, what he did was, again, proven. Uh, there was no, there's no allegation. He did it. Still in the league. Trevor Bauer, there was not one case of case against him really other than the word of somebody else out of the league two years never to return banished and, and part of that does think part of me does believe that some of it has to do with the youtube stuff he was he was basically profiting off the mlb just like the mlb profits off him mlb probably didn't like it too much he said you know what you're gone i do think that has something to do with it maybe not all the way but it has at least a little bit but again, my, my, my thing was, I don't know why nobody spoke up for him. I would have thought somebody would have spoken up for him. Maybe they did, and I just didn't listen or didn't hear about it. But it, from, from, from the beginning of this, it never really seemed like his teammates came out and supported him. And that was always my thing, because it seemed like if, if Freddie Freeman had something like this come up, and it's like everybody would show up for Freddie Freeman. I think, I think Trevor Bauer might be a head case a little bit. I still think that's true. I still think he's a little bit of a diva. Maybe, maybe teammates don't like him. I don't know. Again, I'm not going to speculate on speculation. So that's all I have to say. But good for Trevor. I'm glad his name is cleared, and hopefully he can get back in the league soon. Yeah, I don't have much of a – I don't have much to say other than I do believe that our judicial system should be innocent and proven guilty. And it's just not been like that for, for many cases. Um, it's unfortunate that that happens. And, you know, you listed some of the cases, some of the more recent ones as of late. Unfortunately, there's not going I – don't, I don't believe that we'll ever get to a point where it's a perfect system, right? Like, we're going to have cases from now until the end of – America to where, or the end of this judicial system, the way it is Correct. now to where we're going to have some cases slip through the cracks and a guy is going to get ostracized and, or, or a, a woman will be ostracized and completely excommunicated from whatever work society, you know, it just, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's, uh, if, if all of this ends up being that he is truly innocent, it will be a shame but I just don't know how you prevent that. Like there's no, no and, and I, and by the way, I do think people who, who lay allegations against others, uh, especially people who have nothing to lose, essentially land these allegations against people who do have something to lose and they were complete lies the whole time. They should face repercussions. People like that should be facing jail time. It happened with, uh, you said before Okafor for the, for, for Baylor, uh, for against the punter, Matariza. These are two guys who lost not only, their 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 future they lost whatever they had now it, they lost their whole lives essentially because of lies and and that's tough place to be i think anybody who does that should be facing prison time 
Yeah, because there's not really a repercussion for those that want to try to find a way to, to get that bag, as, as it was stated in the uh, report. And the only thing that I would say, and I see some comments about saying that, you know, Trevor Bauer is not a clubhouse guy and things of that nature. Has, has, any, has any teammates ever come out and said they don't like Trevor Bauer? Don't like him. I know that you're going to say that no one's came out and supported him. What do you want them to do? You, you, you think that guys on the Dodgers are going to come out and support Trevor Bauer when he has all these accusations? You think that somebody at, at the Reds are going to come out into the public and say, yeah, I, I love Trevor here. Meanwhile, he's got all these accusations and in and, and, and the court of public opinion on Trevor Bauer is at an all-time low. And you know what? I'm not suggesting for a second that there are three other accusations out there. It could come out that perhaps he did something wrong. This isn't about, this is not even about Trevor Bauer as much as it is about just, just stop assuming everything. And the other thing that sit here and say, yeah, that the clubhouse and the Reds locker room is, is awesome and this, that, and the other. And you know what? I agree. Yeah, it, 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 it appeared that was the case. But I hate to say this, but I have to do it. What did it ultimately win? Where did you, what did you ultimately do? I mean, yeah, you overachieved. I'm not downplaying the season that the Reds had. It was unbelievable. But are you going to convince me that if they had Trevor Bauer and won 10 more games, or call it five more games, and they made the postseason, that it would have been, it would have been a bad thing because somehow Trevor Bauer is disliked by his teammates? I just, I just don't buy into the notion that Trevor Bauer is disliked by his teammates. I don't. Now, Maybe there's a couple that don't like him, but do you do you really think that every single player in the clubhouse actually all love each other? Maybe, but probably not. They're adults. They show up. They got a job to do. It's a professional franchise. I don't know uh, how much a good uh, – I mean, you said that the good clubhouse didn't equate to anything this season for the Reds. I think it gives you a, a better opportunity to, to succeed. And I'm not saying it correlates to wins, but a bad clubhouse atmosphere correlates to whatever the hell happened in San Diego. That's, that's, just, that's just a fact. There was a lot of egos. There's a lot of superstars in that room. It didn't mesh. It didn't work. And you can sit here and say that, you know, they all played okay and blah, blah, blah. They, they, their run differential was great. But at the end of the day, it didn't work for the Padres this year. And I do think it, it does matter. Having a good clubhouse atmosphere matters in that sense. Now, I never saw anybody come up and be like, because usually when these things happen, at least like a friend will be like, I can attest to Trevor's character. Uh, I don't know about these allegations, but I can attest to his character. I know Trevor. And from what I've known, blah, 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 blah. I didn't see any teammate do that. I, and, that and that I found strange. I, Rachel Luba did it. That's his agent who he pays. But I didn't see a whole lot of other teammates do that for him. And I could be wrong. And I, maybe it happened so long ago, I just don't remember it. But I, to me, it never seemed like Trevor Bauer was a big clubhouse guy. And he kind he's kind of a weirdo a little bit. I think he is. I think he's, he's, he's different. So I, I, I think that was, that was stated. But I don't, the thing I never understood is why nobody had ever attested to his character. Nobody ever came up for it. And again, they might have. And, they and are like, now. And like, well, they are now. Of course they are now. And like Trey said, um, 
Yeah, I, I I lost my point just then. That sucks. That's a tough. That's a tough place to be. No, you you were basically but, saying that his teammates didn't stick up for him, and that you you were wondering why no one did. And I was just pointing out the fact that there's probably a good reason as to why you wouldn't. I mean, with with, with as much as people want to say they have conviction, as much as people want to say they'll step outside the box, they'll make they'll make that ris risky decision for their friend. I'll tell you, there's a guy that sits at this very seat on Monday that found out the hard way. There's a lot of friends in life that don't stick up for you when times get tough because they don't want to lose their prestigious spot in the world. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. There's not a lot of people that step outside the box and risk their careers for the, for the backs of just showing up and saying something nice about somebody else. And, and that, that, that was what I was going to say. I was going to say that they had something to lose, yada, yada, yada. But I, it's, it, it's Trevor Bauer, I, I again – if this is the only thing that's, I mean, if this was the only allegation, which it appears to be, I hope he comes back in the league and I hope he shoves it up the MLB's ass because right now he has to come back and dominate the league and just basically make the MLB regret everything they've done. I don't even know if it's, and that's the thing that's crazy. It's like, I, I get the sentiment of that. It's just that, uh, it's just that I just want, for my, the franchise that I love, I, I certainly want there to be moral standards down there. But I don't want them to feel like they have to be the, the, the morale police. Let the justice system do its job. If, for instance, Ozuna's in a spot where, again, he clearly did something wrong, I completely understand that. But for those that want to sit here and say that, well, he's a bad teammate, buy a clubhouse, he won a Cy Young for your franchise. It's the same people that sit in here wanted to scream and yell at the moon about Joe Mixon. They wanted to tell you how bad of a person he was. Get him off the team. And the next thing you know, guess what? What happened with the Joe Mixon case? Got thrown out the window. Why? Because there wasn't a shred of evidence about any of it. Now you're all cheering him on on Sundays to run for five yards a game. That's my main problem. Is that at some point, at some point, can we just let the thing that this country is founded upon on how to go about the legal matters in this country, do its job before we just rush to decisions. That's literally my main, whole, my main point to the whole thing. And if that three-minute and 40-second video doesn't show you why you might want to reserve judgment on things, then I don't know what would. Now, I know this is a hard segue because, you know, ultimately, I know Kyle Kasky could give maybe a rat's tail about the whole subject or something along those lines. He cares more about just football and how to win games. Kyle, uh, I think it begs the question, how in the world, uh, one, my apologies for the hard segue there. But two, um, the Bengals find themselves in a tough spot, Kyle. I, I don't know what you what, you watched that game is with with the rest of us on Sunday. I guess we'll start off with just uh, just your overall again impressions of what you saw and, and maybe the concerns that you have. Uh, well, number one, I, I'm going to say something nice about you. I think you're one of the best hosts out there, and uh, I believe that you know if there's talking trash about you, then you know I got your back. So. Uh, throw that out there. And Joe Mixon, hey, I, I'm the one who stood on the table for that kid back when in, in the draft. And uh, I, I, you know, I know what that kid's about. And I think he got a, all that stuff that went on with him, man. That people got to put that behind it because I mean, he's he's doing everything he can to be a, a model citizen and a great player for that team. But uh, moving on to the what I saw on on Sunday, I saw a team that uh, got out physical, basically just got outplayed in every phase and. You got a team in Tennessee that hadn't been able to get Derrick Henry running the ball, and all of a sudden he runs for whatever he ran for 122 yards and uh, you know a five you know five and a half yard clip, 
And uh, it, it just the, – the defense didn't look like they were, you know, as physical as they've been. They were out of position at times on against some of the deeper throws, you know, and really that double pass they threw with Hopkins should have been a touchdown too. I mean, Hopkins catches that ball nine out of ten times. And then uh, up front, I mean, it's just the physicality. They, they miss some tackles that they don't usually miss. And Derrick Henry was just kind of doing what Derrick Henry does. Um, getting to the offense, people keep talking about the, the ball's not being pushed down the field. Ace is getting upset about it, and I, right, rightly so. I mean, he wants the ball. The problem is, if you're running anything deeper than probably 15, 20 yards, there's not a whole lot of time to get it off. Go watch the times he's getting hit. So in tonight's show, I've got it segmented up into sacks and quarterback hits and hurries. And a lot of those quarterback hits and hurries are on deeper throws. They're trying to get the ball deeper, and it's just there's a miscommunication up front. Somebody, you know, a chip block doesn't get doesn't get executed the way it should, and Orlando Brown is uh, setting for the chip. Uh, you know, there's just it's just some miscommunication issues up front, and and not necessarily just getting just physically beaten. There was a couple of them that, yeah, that you know, uh, you know, right guard was getting, uh, I believe Alex Kappa was getting, he got turned around a couple times, and it's it's just there's some things that they need to do to clean up and find a way to get the ball deeper. The one that uh, Joe Burrow got hit on when the guy came around the edge, and that was just a hug blitz. That guy was hugging the back. That was an eight man max protection where he got hit on. And they were trying to throw a two-man route deeper, and that's eight-man protection, and he still got hit. So that those are some things they got to clean up. And I mean, we could put it all on Joe Burrow's back, and I'm sure that's what everybody's trying to do. Uh, but the the deep the deep shots, he's got to have time. I mean, it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. Yeah, Kyle, you have obviously some clips that you had shared here. First one that uh, we're going to bring up was uh, I believe it was in the first quarter maybe. Um, nonetheless, Casey's going to put it up. We'll let you walk through. It was the second second yep. quarter. Uh, score was 10-3 to with 429 left. We'll let you kind of walk through what you've seen here. All right. So as you're, as you're, as you're looking here, really, this is just a – just a do. I mean, it's really just a duo inside zone play. But if you look at, look, watch how many people missed the tackle here right, from the end zone. Just count how many people. This is not normal defense that you see from these from this defense. But you know, when when you're running just a a, a simple just downhill run play, <clears throat> and and you let a guy like Derrick Henry get loose like that again, that's what I'm talking about. There's the the the, the times that they're making tackles in normal normally in these games, <clears throat> they weren't making those tackles in these games and. And again, that they're in a bare front right here, which means they, you know, they've got all the gaps covered. You have a run-through linebacker. You, you you missed at the linebacker level. You missed at the safety level. And I, I get it. Derrick Henry's a big guy. Here's the thing about Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's a running back where it not only takes you fully wrapping him up and getting into his body because he, he could stiff arm you, but it takes usually another person to come help you take him down. And right now, when you're trying to kind of lunge at these guys it's hard it doesn't matter who you are on defense but they, they just got to be a, it's when you play a guy like that it's one of those things during the week you say here's here's how we're going to handle wrapping this guy up and they just didn't get it done and that's that's the worst of the group right I mean that's the worst of the clips right there if you look at it but there are some other ones that he had the same kind of run on uh, st sticking on the defense really quickly before we get to the next clip, you had shared with me during the game that you felt like the Bengals were kind of getting outside of what they've always done or they were doing some things that they, they, they didn't need to do. You felt like perhaps they might have been blitzing a little more often than they should have. Your overall assessment just on kind of what transpired there. And, and I guess 
even when you're on the sidelines? Does the game speed up from time to time? Does it kind of get, get out of sorts where you had a little bit of a game plan going in, things didn't start going the right way, and I don't, I don't want to make it sound like you overreact, but in a way, does that happen on the sideline? Do you, do you think that that's a possibility of what happened on Sunday against the Titans? Uh, it's possible. I think what happens to people always look at the offense of, of when you get down and then all of a sudden you're in two-minute mode and you're throwing a ball and everything. Defenses kind of get the same way. So if you're down 24 to 3 like they were and you know for most of the second half, you, you kind of get aggressive because you feel like, hey, we need to do something to get this ball back. We need to sack the quarterback. We need to, and, you know, I just felt like there were some things that they were they were just trying too hard. And and it's one of those things where you just play your defense, get get the stop, get the ball back to the offense. And look, really, as, as bad as it seems right now, the, the Bengals can still explode at any point when it comes on offense. I mean, it, it just can, it can happen. But the problem is, I think the defense at times was just, you know, they were not that not that they were blitzing necessarily too much. It was just kind of like, just play your defense and, and get the stops. And then, and I didn't feel like they were trying to do that. I felt like they were almost in two minute mode on defense. That's that's where that comment came from. Fair enough. All right, the next clip we are in the uh, first quarter, six twenty six. It's a second and two. Bengals are up three to nothing. We'll let you walk you through what you've seen here. Y'all can screenshot that right there. They had the lead. All right, so this is uh, this is a pretty cool play, actually. This is the one I was talking about just a minute ago. So um, what they're going to do, they toss the ball to Derrick Henry. He's going to actually throw it backwards, so it's a lateral. And then he's going to throw this deep. And, I mean, if you, it's kind of hard to see from that angle. But from the backside angle, if, if I don't know, Casey, if you can pause this, like right when, it, right when a ball hits uh, Hopkins' hands. But this ball is is – a very well-thrown ball. And I'd say the thing that I'm, I'm getting at with the Bengals' defense is you, you just got to understand that, yeah, you got two guys on him, but he's got to go. And that's a tough play. But if, if it's your job to be in coverage, be in deep coverage, or if that – I didn't – I had to go back and look at what, what the exact coverage is. But if, if you're in coverage on that and you know it's DeAndre Hopkins, you know, screw the run. I mean, you got to go cover your guy. And that, that's a play. We actually scored on that exact play uh, when I was in Detroit. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw a touchdown to Kenny Galladay on the, on the exact same play. And, uh, you know, it was just literally called double pass. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, people look too far into it. But um, it, it's, a, it's a play that, you, you know, if, if you've got the run game going, you've got some things going, you can toss that ball. And when you, once you toss that ball, they, everybody's running up because obviously they think it's a run. It's Derrick Henry. And all of a sudden, he turns around and throws it. Now, not only did he do that, I didn't send you all the clip, but he throws a touchdown on the goal line. And, you know, everybody sells out to uh, – and they're in goal line personnel, the Bengals are, and, and they're selling out to stop the run because he go wildcat. And actually, it's crazy because they called a timeout before that. They lined up in the same formation. They called a timeout. Bengals called a timeout. Then they came out and lined up in the exact same formation again. And I believe, if I'm, if, if I'm not mistaken on the way that that defense is set up, the D lineman who's got his hand on the ground – uh, is actually in coverage on that tight end, and the guy, the outside rusher, was rushing outside, and they were they they switch off right there, and they do they do it both ways. But that, on that one, they had the outside rusher rushing again, the that tight end that did the little pop pass, and uh, I guess you know they they had a beat on however they were doing it, and uh, that's why that guy was so wide open, just because he just got dropped in coverage on the backside because everybody was selling out to play run. 
Well, the Bengals find themselves in a situation that they've 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 not been in this spot before, obviously, but they've been in some adversity, uh, certainly at the beginning of seasons, the last couple seasons, and they find themselves a way to dig themselves out. Mm-hmm. This is a tough question for you. I don't know if there's really one answer, to be honest, but maybe if, maybe if there's a way for you to succinctly say it, if there was something specific that you felt like this is the thing that really the Bengals need to focus on and try to get going to get them back on track, that answer is what to you? Uh, it's going to come down to, and, and I'm not just saying this because of Mixon, but they've got to, if they can get the run game going like they've done, if you go watch the run game, it's going. They need to start play action and off of that run game again. That's what that's where they kind of, if you look back to the McVay offense, where, where Zach came from, it's known as a wide zone, you know, run it and then play action off of it naked off of it. And I know, I get it, Burrow is having a hard time moving around. Burrow can naked, I promise you, he can do it. He can he can roll out of the pocket and he can play action. Play action is just, just taking a couple, just like you would drop back in your normal, um, in your normal drop backs. But, you know, I think there's gotta, they gotta find a way. If they wanna run out of the gun, that's fine. You can still play action out of the gun, just like you play action from under center. It's not as heavy of a play action, but, Again, use those type of, of protections, and maybe they don't feel comfortable with the protection of a you know play action protection because sometimes in play action protections you're kind of jumping the D lineman trying to sell run, and you know it does get a, you know sometimes you can get up and under it a little bit, kind of like Aaron Donald was doing uh, last week. But again, I think if they can get the play action game going in the pass game, that'll help out a ton because they're they're doing a good job of getting the you know, Chase and Boyd and those guys the ball and letting them run because Chase had a couple of good just short catches and then turned them into 17-yard gains. And, uh, you know, Boyd does the same thing. But if they want to start getting those shots downfield, they got to find a way to change the protections up with play actions and, and get him on the move a little bit. Maybe maybe even – you call I know it says it's called sprint out, but a guy like that, I mean, if he can run around and, and stand up and do what he's doing, he can – he can roll out of the pocket to the right or the left. And, you know, just depending on how they feel about him planning and throwing to his left, that's different. Maybe you just do it to the right. I know that's there's tendencies there, but they're for it. And but I think that's where the offense has got to go. Defensively, I just think, you know, get back to what Luana Romo does. Get them in third and, you know, third and six plus situations. That first and second down defense has got to be great. Get them into those third, third, third and longer situations so you can bring out those exotic blitzes that he's known for. And right now it's kind of, they're not really getting them in those situations, but uh, if they can just get back to first and second down defense. And then again, like I said, play action and get the run game going because all the other stuff's going to be there. Y'all know that the dropbacks are going to be there. The quick game's going to be there. Um, I don't understand really why the screen game is so bad right now, but uh, you know, that would help. But again, I, I mean, when you're, when you're kind of, when you're bringing more pressure, because Burrow's getting more pressure right now because they know he can't move real well, and it's sometimes it's harder to throw those. You know, you like to throw screens into pressure, but you still got to get them off, and I think that's probably where they're having the issues. Well, for, for somebody that, that obviously you mentioned comes from a system that relies a little bit on play action and, and being under center, something that obviously Joe Burrow at this point really hasn't done because of we what we assume to be his health. And, and you know, I guess the final question I'll ask for you, and, and maybe this is uh, this is one of those things, whatever stays in the locker room stays in the locker room type things. And and uh, but but it just it seems wild that yesterday during Zach Taylor's pressers, he he kind of just acted as if everything was fine. That 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 there really the playbook was not limited. That Joe Burrow was for the most part 
you know, pretty much healthy enough to be able to utilize the entire playbook. Yet we don't see him under center. We do not see him doing play actions all that often. And more times than not, the ball's coming out very, very quickly. Now, one might think and venture to believe that that's maybe because of the, the blitzes and, and the fact that they don't have a lot of time. But from an outsider, or obviously all of us, what we call, I mean, dumb fans to a certain extent, it just appears like there is a very distinct difference between what the traditional offense has been for the Cincinnati Bengals and what we've seen the last few weeks. Is there, and I guess this is the question that I'm asking, is there a notion to where you just don't tell the truth at most of those pressers? Is that just what you do? And that is that just a part of it, to be honest? Yeah, I think I think there is something to it. There's It's called coach speak, and I think everybody knows what we're talking about. And there's times you don't want to give away what you're doing. There's times you don't want to give away your health of your players. And there's times where it's just like, Guys, it's you know I'm I'm here. I'm going to answer questions. I don't have to answer everything the way you want it answered, and um, I, I can respect that. I do I do know that there's a lot of coaches that are different. You know that that kind of speak more truth during the media and they kind of talk to their team through the media. Uh, I feel like a culture there of where he can they can say what they need to say behind the scenes and not worry about getting things out in the media because there hadn't been a whole lot of of you know. People, you know, like I know Joe Mixon said some things in the past, and I know Chase has kind of complained about not getting deep balls, but that's just frustration after games. And but I know I wouldn't get too upset about it, but I do agree with you though. There is something to not having the full playbook right now. Now, does that mean they can't do it? No, it's like I told you, I, you know. But he may feel like Joe Burrow just may feel more comfortable in the gun. Go back to looking at his college. I don't think he ever went under center in college. And then they came into the league and, you know, kind of forced them under center a little bit. And then the next thing you know, it's like the whole offense is in the gun. And I can attest to that from working with some of the quarterbacks I've worked with and that are younger. They don't ever, they haven't taken under center snaps in their entire life. And to ask them to play action from under center and get their eyes back up and try to find the routes. Uh, they, a lot of these younger guys can't do it. Now, can can they be taught to do it? Sure. But a lot of times it's, it's if, if that's what you're comfortable with and you're really good at it, like Burrow is, you just kind of, you adapt your system to what he's doing. And I think that's a re more reason why they're in gun than anything. Um, and then talking about, you know, y'all being dumb fans, maybe Reed, I don't know, but the rest <laughs> of you guys seem like you know what you're talking about. I think it's being a little too nice. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Reed, Reed is, uh, he got voted to get kicked out for a week. Now that was his, that was, yeah. that was, that was his ploy when he had to go do some other, other work around, uh, around Chatterbox. But nonetheless, uh, Reed's not here to defend himself, but, but, but ultimately. That's, kind of, that's, that's, that's okay. You know, that, that's why I, that's, I, I know when to pick my fights. That's good. Well, you picked a perfect time for it. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right. You have a show tonight at, at, at nine o'clock. You obviously run through all the different types of things that you see the week prior. Sometimes you venture into the the, 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 the next week. Um, any any teasers? Anything that you want to kind of share before uh, before we let you go? Yeah, I was just you know like you, I've been kind of going in game order the last few weeks, but this week I'm, I'm putting them more into groupings and and I'm going to talk about the receivers making plays and, and and I know they're not getting the deep balls, but how they're making plays. I'm going to talk about mixing. Crazy thing is I've got more clips of Mixon doing really good things than I do of the receivers right now. And it's not the, I don't think it's the receivers fault, it's just the flow of the game. And then, it, you know, I'm going to go into the, the sacks and hurries, but then the last thing I'm going to talk about is just Burrow not being Burrow, right? You know, the things that, like we're talking about right now, that just aren't showing up that usually show up, you know, just making those quick throws, those RPO throws where usually you see him catch and turn like he's turning two. 
you know, I just it, some of that stuff is there, and you would think he last year he was throwing it, and then defensively just hitting on the the missed tackles, biting on play actions, out of out of position things that can be you know kind of fixed. It's, some of their stuff's just an easy fix. You know, the, the the offense is more of a figure out who they are right now, and that's kind of where I'm gonna get into and show show people like it, it's not. I know a lot of people were talking about there was a play, it was a zero blitz, and it was a play where. Chase was running a shallow route, and why didn't he throw it to the shallow? He's trying to throw it deep. I'm going to tell you all right now, if you go watch the whole play and not just the little clip that people are showing on the internet, he he had no time. He, he, there was no time. He was just trying to get rid of the ball. He was trying not to get hit and get sacked. And there wasn't time to progress through anything. And you, people could say, well, throw it to the shallow one. I'm just going to tell you there was about, I don't know, 12 people, including the offensive guys, standing right in front of him. I don't think he saw Chase. You just got to think about the line of sight at, at the same time. Right. People from up in the stands, oh, yeah, I see it. From TV, oh, I see it. When you're standing behind all those dudes, sometimes you just don't see things. And those guys are big, <laughs> just bottom line. And, you know, that's not an excuse for it, but that's the truth. So that's kind of what I'm going to get into tonight at 9. And, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, uh, again, if, if people can get in the chat and ask questions, I'll, I'll gladly go on tangents if, if, there, if there's things people want to talk about to do that too. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, as always, next week uh, when you come on, the uh, the big boss will finally be back in here. So uh, I'm sure there'll be All some. Right. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some more pointed and uh, and maybe even opinionated, rightfully so, questions that you guys can have fun bantering back and forth with. But just coming on and uh, joining <coughs> us while while Tom's been out, I've been very appreciative. Thank you for doing the shows on Tuesdays, and uh, we'll try to get as many folks down there uh, to watch that show at nine nine tonight as possible. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good All one. Right. All right. Thanks, Kyle. All right, guys. Well, here's the thing. Um, he said he said something there that um, that it's just hard to get into the mind, obviously, of someone that, that that actually plays the position and what they're thinking and feeling. Right? We we've sat here at length and discussed the health of Joe Burrow, and today's not one of those days where we're going to do it quite frankly again because many of you probably are sick and tired of Trace having the same point Elliot having the same point and Casey having the same point and certainly if Reed was in here he'd probably feel the same way as he did before and uh, Sean would, would probably say the same stuff however when he says that Joe was concerned about getting hit I think that's a stark difference between what Joe has done in the past versus what he is doing right now. And rightfully so. I'm not suggesting for a second that Joe should stand in there and get hit. But that's what Joe's done since he's gotten into the league. And for all intents and purposes, it's what allows him more times than not to be great, in my opinion. That that extra half a second that he's willing to stand there and take a hit and deliver a ball down the field, he's done that time and time and time again for this franchise. Now, right now, maybe it's not worth it, quite frankly, to do that because the risk of what he has in his calf, he just can't afford getting hit. And maybe for all intents and purposes as well, I can buy into the notion that this Bengals team in front office, and certainly the coaching staff, and definitely Joe Burrow, still feels like that if Joe can play even a little bit and play the way that he's been playing, that they still have the best chance to win. Now, whether that's the truth or not, we'll never really know until we see the opposite opportunity. However, 
I almost wonder if the difference in Joe Burrow is more or less, if you will, certainly psychological as much as it is physical. And maybe it's obviously probably both, Elliot and Casey. But I think that that has been the point that we've, that we've all kind of hinted around. And at this point, I think we're all probably, I don't know, maybe you guys can share your opinion. I think it's safe to say that the calf certainly is a part of it. But the other concerning part a little bit too is, is that now Joe psychologically feels a little bit different than he has in the past when he's sitting in the pocket. Yeah, the psychological factor is, is massive. I, again, I'm not going to c- compare myself to a professional athlete. I by no means am one or am close to being one. But I, there was an incident when happened, what happened to me in eighth grade. I, I was playing basketball. Uh, and what ended up happening, I, I, I hit a screw on my leg and I, and I cut my leg open. And it required about 15 stitches. Uh, and the scar is still massive right here on my leg. But what happened was I, for, the, for about a year, two years after that, I refused to do anything hard on my right leg. I would used to. I, I I was a big skier. I used to go on on the terrain park. I'd used to try to do rails and stuff, but I'd be afraid of landing anywhere near that to having the same thing happen to me. I can only imagine when you're a professional athlete and that's literally your job. You're trying to stay as upright as possible. You're trying to stay as healthy as humanly possible, and and, and aggravating that calf in any in any way is detrimental to your future. Is detrimental to your profession. So I I think that's huge in Joe Burrow's mind right now. I think that's absolutely a factor. Joe Burrow's been dealing with injuries now for, what is that, three, four straight seasons? So this has now become a, a, a pattern, and Joe's just trying to stay as healthy as possible. I, I think the only way, unfortunately, for this offense to be healed is if Joe Burrow starts acting like he's not hurt. And that's a tough, it's a tough ask of a player, which is why Trace does have validity in his point when he says – Jake Browning is out there. He's free. There's no, there's no fear of injury. He can be whatever you want to be out there, and, and that's fine. I, I just think it is still in Joe Burrow's head somewhere where he's afraid of being hurt. He's afraid of re-aggravating another injury, being out for even longer than, than he was in the preseason. So it's, 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 a, massive, it's a massive concern. Yeah, and not to, not to mention, too, I mean, we talk about the team wanting him out there because of his contract, and I know the contract point is – it's been hit over and over again, but he's probably thinking the same thing too. You know, he just got paid all this money. He wants to be the leader of this team. He's been the leader of this team. He wants to show out for his guys and everyone believes in him as the leader of this team. And if without him, that they're not going to go anywhere. So him pushing himself out there, not being hundred percent healthy. There's a lot of different factors to this. I think there's a lot of, a lot of the mental game for Joe that he has to overcome. And there, there's just other things, too, that are, you know, I don't think he was ready, like, just from a football standpoint, not just from a confidence standpoint, just from a football standpoint. I don't think he was ready to start this season. I mean, he was out almost the entire preseason. In fact, it was only like he only practiced, what, two, two times, three times in the preseason? So, yeah, I think I – think what we're saying is got some merit to it. I just don't know. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know it's the whole thing. Like it's the whole deal. Cause we've seen in the past. I mean, Joe Burrow's got a, a mind of steel. I mean, he was sacked nine times in a Titans playoff game and still won the ball game, made the throws when it mattered. So I don't know. There's, I'm not going to speculate on it too much, but I think there is some merit to it. 
Yeah, and that's the tough part when, when we when we discuss all these things is no one knows the real answer. There's no really reason to speculate on what's going on in Joe's head because ultimately it's impossible to know. It's just that uh, it's just frustrating because uh, certainly it, it, I come in here and certainly there's times where I try to be a little a little counter and you know a, a little counter argument, a little bit of a devil uh, devil side, a little bit of a heel about the Bengals because ultimately if it wasn't for that, then what else is there to talk about? Because everybody would think everything's perfectly fine with the Cincinnati Bengals from time to time. Uh, but when I do that, I do try to do it in a way in which I think is fair. It's not certainly not just me trying to be uh, a troll, although that that is something that we've done around here from time to time from a bit perspective. However, I think most of the time when we do that, you can clearly tell the difference between when we're being serious and when we're when we're obviously just poking fun. The thing about the thing about the Bengals, in my opinion, is is that they still have the opportunity to salvage the season, and I I just I just find myself going back and forth between the notion of trying to save a season and save save the validity. Uh, and again, I keep using that word, and it's a crutch word, and I'm going to get crushed for it in the chat. But saving saving the opportunity of what this what this core group of, of, of players have done for this franchise. And the last thing that I would want to do is to continue to run someone out there like Joe Burrow and have Jamar Chase get frustrated, you know, and, and, and have Joe Burrow become quite frankly frustrated because he's not able to do the things that he's capable of doing. And it turns it, I don't want to say it spirals out of control, but it just spirals out of control. You'd like to think that you have a head coach that obviously can, can hold all the things together. And Zach Taylor, for all intents and purposes right now, is probably having the biggest test he's had since he's became a head coach in the NFL. And it's kind of wild to say because this guy has been to two, F two AFC championships in back-to-back -back years. He's gotten this team to a Super Bowl. For, for, you know, for, for my money, he, he has deserved and earned the opportunity to, to be given at least, at the very minimum, a full season to try to figure something out. This guy's not going to get fired. We all know this. If you think he's going to get fired, then I got news for you. You're going to be sadly disappointed. He's not going anywhere. And rightfully so, by the way. But you could also, on the other hand, be critical of Zach. You can, you can have it both ways. Fairly, I might add. I just think that many times, and Casey's alluded to this numerous times, that Zach Taylor has been the benefactor of, of Joe Burrow playing elite level football. And more times than not, it's been a, it's been a reason as to why they've won games. And it's not been a reason because of the schematics on the offensive end. And certainly when you see the, the bells and whistles of a, of, of a McDaniels offense and you, you look around the, the league and you see what you see, what Shanahan's been able to do with, 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 Brock Purdy and the 49ers, and you start to ask yourself, why can't we have that? Because you know as well as I do that the Bengals' talent is just as good as those teams that we just talked about. I think it's interesting. Uh, Zach Taylor, Trace is right, Zach Taylor's not getting fired. But I will say that Marvin Lewis kind of got this ability to skate through everything, he, but he made the playoffs. He, Marvin Lewis, I would say, backed it up. I know he didn't win playoff games, and towards the end, that's eventually why he got fired. But Zach Taylor right now, the thing about it is, even though he got us to a Super Bowl, and that's true, he got us to two back-to-back -back AFC championship games. So that's, in a sense, earned him not a lifetime deal, but it's earned him a, a, a long leash. If, if this were to continue next into next year, 
because the expectations are so high with this team, I would expect at some point Zach Taylor to, to take a leave. The, the, the argument against him this entire time, and it's, I feel like it happens every single season, it's just that the play calls are bad. It's, he's responsible for the play calling. Stop play calling the game. And it's been a consistent issue year and year and year and year again. He's 34 and 40 as a head coach. He hasn't really earned it in that sense. I would say if, if, if these issues were to continue with the high expectations with Joe Burrow, arguably the second best quarterback in the NFL, at some point the Bengals would have to make a move. And his, in his press conference yesterday, when, when they asked him about Joe Burrow, him shrugging it off like it was nothing, I thought it was one of the most preposterous things. I know Casey has the clip. It, it, it's truly one of the more preposterous things I've seen. I, I don't know. He was acting like this question was, was a non-question. Non Here it is, Zach Taylor. Oh, buffering. That's never happened before. That's all right. Internet's working hard. It's trying. Ooh. I'll just reload it. Here we go. Sounds good. Starting to play on this week, this week's game against friends. Yeah. That's a strange question. Yeah. Well, I mean, when to kind of follow up, though, I mean, do you feel like he's healthy enough to run a good offense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Let's play it one more time. Um, no, we're done. Okay. Yeah, so he says, uh, Kellyanne Conway basically asks, are you sticking with Burrow? Is Burrow your guy this Sunday? And he's like, that's a strange question. Yeah, I'm sticking with him. Why would you even ask it? Well, Zach, because the offense has looked like trash, and Joe Burrow has looked like trash. And again, I, whoever you want to blame, blah, 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 it's just what we're seeing on the field. The, it's objectively not working. We, we like to throw around the word objectively around here. It's objectively not working with, with Joe Burrow and the offense. So play calls need to get better. Coaching needs to get better. Offense needs to get better. Joe Burrow needs to get better. There, ha there are major questions here. This is a Super Bowl contending team, and you look like the worst team in the league. The New York Giants are about the only other team that I I'd say are playing worse than the Bengals. Even, even the lowly Panthers are scoring touchdowns on the season. Bengals have three offensive touchdowns in four weeks. That is pathetic. It's inexcusable. Whether that's, whether that's with a 50% burrow or a 0% burrow, if, I, if I'm going to be honest with you, it shouldn't really matter that much. You, if you're going to lose games because Joe Burrow's injured, that's one thing. If you're not going to score points, that's a completely different story, and that's where the Bengals are right now. They are not scoring points. And I think that's the major difference between this year and last year. We look back, everybody, all, the positive side of Bengals fans, and I know I'm a negative fan, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You look at the positive, the positive side of Bengals Twitter right now, and they're like, well, we happened last year. The same thing's happening. It's not the same thing. It's nowhere close to the same thing. The Bengals' defense is significantly worse than last season. Joe Burrow is significantly worse than last season. Everybody is significantly worse than last season except for Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, and Kyle Kasky said it, Joe Mixon's been one of the bright spots on this team. He's averaging still like four and a half yards a carry, not really being featured in the offense at all. Something needs to happen. It starts with Zach Taylor and the coaching staff. I expect changes, and for him to laugh off that question by Kellyanne Conway, not a good look. It's not a good look. All right, so I think we're in a situation right now where we, uh, we're our internet is struggling. Oh, no, I think our internet is just down. It's just disappeared. Internet is down. Might as well get to the most important segment of the day, because how could you possibly go on with your life without the 11 o'clock locals? So, without 
further ado, let's send it over to Elliot. Well, hey everybody, we're back. No free ads, but the company that wouldn't let me watch football for two weeks runs a bum-ass internet service. I'm shocked. I've never been more shocked, quite frankly, in my entire life. Shout out to Spectrum. No free ads, but Spectrum. I can't be more clear. Spectrum. Spectrum. You are the worst internet service provider in the nation, in the country. Your cable sucks. Your internet sucks. No free ads. I'm not going to sit here and give a free ad to Spectrum, the very worst at everything they do. The very worst. My dad and I had internet problems the other day with Spectrum. And I'm not kidding you. Listen, I, 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 this is no disrespect to the Russian community, but they send over an unmarked van with two random Russians in it. We thought it was the mafia. I'm not kidding. They didn't have a car. They didn't have anything. Spectrum sent over two Russians and they fixed our internet. Granted, did they do a good job? I don't really know. It's where it's blacked out like four times in the past week since they've done it. <sighs> weather. All right. Weather time. So I looked outside today, Casey. It's a beautiful day. Look at this. Oh, boom, boom. I'm behind it. Wait, wait. Let me get in front of it. Wait, which way? Which way? There it is. Wait, wait. There it is. There it is. All right. So in this little window, you will see. Can I see my hand? No, it's in the. It's okay. It's in the front. All right. So today, high of 85, sunshine. If you look at Wednesday, high of 85, sunshine. What are you going to see on Wednesday, Casey? Thursday. High of 85, sunshine. Sunshine, 80. Sunshine, 80. It doesn't change. Look at this. It's all the same. And you people are going to come back time and time again, and they're going to say, what's the weather today? What's the weather? I don't know what the weather is. It's the same weather, buddy. It's the same weather for the next five days. It's the, ne it's the same weather for the next week and a half. The only difference is that there might be a raindrop every once in a while. Could there be rain today? Sure, I don't give a damn. There might be rain. There might be rain Thursday. There's like a 30%. Do you have your phone, Casey? Let me see your phone. Yeah. Let's check the weather just in case you don't believe my weather, in case you're still going to come back later tonight and you're going to say, what's the weather? Well, I'll tell you what the weather is. So on Friday, there's a 40% chance of rain. That's it. Shout out to your phone, which you can do every single day. You can look at your phone every single day. Unless, of course, you're using Spectrum Internet service, you won't be able to look at it then. There you go, Casey. Uh, weather today, again, sunshine. Go outside. Trey said, touch some grass. Why don't you go roll in it? Let's go roll in the grass today. Everybody go roll in the grass. Chip, back to you. Well, the fact of the matter is, watching that live, the fact, the fact that they were trying to layer that whole situation live was, uh, was a thing of art. Well, well, you know why what? don't you send me back to me, Chip? Why don't you send me right back to me? So, Chip, so this is what it looks like now. As you can see, we fixed the issue. Again, it's hard to run a company, an internet company, without company, without internet. Shout out to Spectrum. There is no free ads. I'm not giving a free ad. But if you use Spectrum, you shouldn't because they're bums. All of them, bums. All right, so let's do the weather again. Since we, didn't, we messed up the first time, look at this. I can reach over to Tuesday. You see it. Wednesday, you see it. Thursday, you see it. It's all the same. It doesn't change. This is the weather in Cincinnati. Uh, it might rain. It might snow. I don't care. But that's it. Chip, back to you. Let's pay some ads, actually. We got to pay some ads. We do. You said, uh, you said that you should roll in grass. Some are suggesting in the chat that you should smoke it. Now, oh, course, I, well, I wouldn't condone that, but I can, I can promise you that the people of Spectrum are right now. They're hard at work smoking grass in their offices. Respectfully to Spectrum. You're putting Casey through the ringer over there. My man Casey's trying to get all these different things set up. Elliot starts spouting at the mouth because then the camera has to go back to him, and Casey's scrambling over there trying to figure out how in the world he can get the, he can get the image in the right spot to make it look appropriate. <laughs> Casey... 
Casey's worst enemy on this show most times, more than not, is Elliot when he gets in that corner. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody but, oh, yeah, send it back to me. Oh, send it back to me. So, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to send it to Casey McAllister, the best in the game, the most exquisite ad reader there is west of the Mississippi. And the good news is, is we're east of the Mississippi, so we probably should say he's the best east of the Mississippi. Over to you, Casey. Thanks, Chip. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Casey can't even do it. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There's a new premium alkaline water out. That's right. It's Pawnee Water. Pawnee Water is made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, and it uses natural limestone filtration. Filtration! Unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. Use. The result? A healthy alkaline water. Water. This is also known as the best tasting water in the world. Best tasting. Visit PawneeWater.com, that's P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com, to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And for me, it's the pH level. It's an 8. It's a solid 8. It's not a 7, it's not a 9. It's an 8. Gotta love that. Elliot, what do you like about this lovely water? Yeah, for me, Casey, really it comes down to the smoothness. You know, you go to other brands, you know, let's say, let's compare one of these brands to Spectrum, right? Because they're inferior. No free ads, but if you were to compare Spectrum to a water, it would be like anything other than Pawnee. I think about Spectrum service and I think of bad things, like bad water. Pawnee is great. Pawnee water brings us all together. It's a community. When you're a part of the Pawnee community, we're all together. We're all, we're all drinking the same liquid. We're all in a great mood. That's what Pawnee water is to me. It goes down the gullet easy. It's nice and smooth. That's what we're doing here. Pawnee water. Also, shout out to Bet. I got it on the hat here. Let me see if I can. Oh, that's that way. Betfred. Betfred Sportsbook, perhaps the greatest sportsbook known to man. Betfred Sportsbook, perhaps the greatest sportsbook known to man. I lost my ass responsibly yesterday on Betfred. But that's okay. We'll get them back tomorrow. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Elliot. Chip, what do you like about Pawnee Water? Well, you know, my good friend uh, had always told me that it's the natural limestone filtration that really does it, you know. It, uh, all those other brands, they use artificial filtration. Some are suggesting in the chat they use their kidneys. Why use your kidneys when you don't need to? Why use your kidneys when you don't need to? You might as well use your kidneys to filter other things that you may consume. Certainly don't want to have to use your kidneys for water. Because if you get the best tasting water in the world, well, this might not be true, but you don't need your kidneys. All right. I'm glad we got through that uh, about as painless as one could possibly imagine. Tom's probably watching this show now, loving the idea of sitting back in this chair come Monday. Hopefully he's ready for some of the shenanigans that are going to go on. <laughs> because at one time, Casey did say on this very show, well, I think people kind of like us because, you know, we're not, we're not professional, you know, none of we're, us are We're a bunch of ex-professionals. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he looked at Tom and said, if you didn't see it, one of the all-time clips of, of Chatterbox Sports history, he looks at Tom and goes, oh, well, you are an ex-professional. I've never <laughs> seen, I've never seen a room completely shift on a dime like that. 
So we're looking forward to having Tom back. Again, as a reminder, he will be here Monday. Uh, the plan, to be clear, is to have, uh, obviously, Casey still in the uh, captain seat over there. I'm going to join next, join him uh, to his, what would be your right, Casey? Yep. Uh, the left on the screen. You still have Reed. You still have Elliot. Uh, Spur will obviously fill in from time to time when one of us are, are in a situation where we have to uh, we have to go do other business, as they say. But uh, to be clear, uh, for those that are asking, yes, the goal is to is to certainly elevate the show. You got more manpower working on a show. More times than not, it's probably going to be a little bit better. Definitely, when Tom sits back in the seat, I can certainly tell you it will uh, it will rise. Now, for those that are worried and think that, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why you would feel this way, and I'm not just saying that, but I'm being completely honest. If you think that this is the type of show that you'd rather watch anyways, uh, the good news is we're going to bring back Box Lunch. And Box Lunch, might I add, will be a part of the uh, the leader of men, and maybe we'll even sneak peek it for the, the Nutcutter Nation. Speaking of Nutcutter Nations, before we lost internet, um, I do want to give a shout-out to our main man, Alex... I'm going to butcher his last name, but Keter. If you say it really fast and confident, you can get away with it. That's what they always tell you. <laughs> Welcome to Nutcutter Nation. Drew Garrison said, put this towards the internet, Bill. We need it. Because I think that might have been... I'm not going to suggest that was the problem, 100%. But it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. You know, the, that's how this company goes sometimes. It's it, not, might have, it, it may have just been forgotten about, but my guess is that the... Uh, it, it seems awfully... Uh, coincidental that it just came back uh, 10 minutes later. So I, I, I doubt it was the internet bill, but we'll, I'm going to give Spectrum, no free ads, a little bit of an out. You're not going to do that, Elliot. No, because I've been having this issue with my personal computer on this internet provider for quite some time now. Everett's asking, why don't I get rid of it? Because I want to watch sports in real time. I don't like delays, Everett. So I'd like to use cable. I don't use DirecTV. They stink too. Really, every cable provider stinks. But the issue is I have to keep them because I watch sports. I'm not going to go to YouTube TV with a two-minute delay and, and deal with Trace or somebody texting me about the Reds scoring runs in the ninth inning when I didn't already know that because it hasn't happened yet. So that's why I keep it. Again, is it my fault? Probably. But when they sent over those two Russians, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I was very concerned. But that's okay. We're going to deal with it. Like we've, deal we've dealt with everything Spectrum. I I've come in here with no internet service every single day uh, for the past three months. I think I've been working here for three months or so, four months maybe, three months. I think it's three months. Uh, I've had no internet every day to start the day, and then it usually comes like 15 minutes into me sitting down. So, no, no, no free ads. Spectrum, you suck. Fair enough. I also just realized in the chat, thanks to Craig, uh, for those that are wondering if there's an earthquake on the other side of the wall where the camera is. No, it's just me shaking my leg. In fact, I was eating dinner last night. I got looked at by my wife asking me what the hell I was doing because I was shaking the cabinets. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> I have no idea why I do this. But if my foot rests on what basically is like a bar stool, it just does that. I'm sure there's a reason for it. It's not a nervous twitch. I'm not nervous anymore by doing this show. By all means, we've done, we've done, we've done lost the, the, the whatever professionalism and, and track we were going down today on this show. So it certainly is not that. I don't know. Maybe I can go talk to a doctor and they can tell me why I have that problem. I don't know. We'll find out together. But where were we at before we left? I don't think, I think we a, were. I, I don't think there's a way to get back to it. I made a couple great points about the Bengals. I'm not going to repeat. You were making great points. I made. I, I made so many good points. Like I, I thought in my brain, like Elliot, you might get a pay raise after this because that's how good I was speaking facts about the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not going to reiterate my points. If you missed it, that's on Spectrum. Please call them and tell them what bums they are. 
Uh, right now, I'm going to transition it. Last night, there was a football game. It was a disgusting game. The New York Giants are the worst team in the sport. They're the worst team in the sport. They've been sacked. They, they, they were sacked yesterday 11 times. They lost 24 to 3. They were sacked 11 times. Daniel Jones, again, I don't blame it all on Daniel Jones, but the offensive line for the, the, the Giants has been disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. If the bang, I'd actually like to see the Bengals play the Giants every week from this week going forward. Every single week. Whoever scores a touchdown first wins. Because these two offenses can't score at all. They can't move the football. So that was a tough one to watch yesterday. I had DK Metcalf, 40 yards in a parlay. Lost. Didn't hit. Is that part of my resentment for the Giants in that game last night? Yeah. They wouldn't allow DK to, to catch a ball. But that's okay. Another day going forward. The, uh, the Seahawks look legit. I'm not going to lie. Drew Locke had to come in there after a little bit because of Geno's injury. But Geno came back. Drew Locke looks serviceable. That's, again, why you have it. That's why you have a decent quarterback. You can just game manage the way game manage the way to a win. So shout out to Drew Locke. Seahawks, they look legit. By the way, 11 sacks against Daniel Jones in a poor offensive line. How many sacks do you think they'll have against Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow can't move? Let's not worry about that yet. You, Craig, everybody in the chat, let's focus on what's in front of us, right? The win mentality, which is what's important now. It's the Cardinals. Let's focus on Sunday. You're four and a half point favorites. That's a big deal. I'm not going to get into that again. But here's the thing. Uh, really quickly, I, and this is where we left off before the internet obviously bounced out. Elliot was making some great points, and I was just, you know what's funny is I just sat here and let him take it. I just, I just let him go. I, I, I was watching the buffering wheel spin right there on the old YouTube, and I was thinking to myself, we've lost internet. And I look over, and Elliot's just in the middle of a dead set rant, and I just let him go. Not sure if that's the wisest move to make or not, but I think that's what you do. Just let him go. So, Elliot, I don't know if you're going to be able to... It was like a five-minute rant. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to re-emulate re that at all. I don't know but, what I was talking about. But here's where I'm at with Zach Taylor. The coach speak, in my opinion, is one thing. But I think you get more respect, and I don't know why more coaches don't do this, when they just pretty much tell the truth. And if you tell the truth... I don't think it really leads any other team on to believe or see something that they're not going to already see on film. If Zach Taylor came out and said, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow's limited right now. We're trying to find ways in which we can work with the limited playbook that we're given, and we're not doing a good job of that right now. We're either going to find a way to, to do a good job with it this upcoming week, and we're going to keep adjusting, and that's on me as a head coach. If he said that, how much more respect would he have? Now, maybe he doesn't care about the respect outside the locker room and outside the, 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 the halls that are Paycor Stadium, but it just is nice to have a breath of fresh air from sometimes having a coach and having an organization that at least calls it how it is, at least tells the fan base, this is what we believe. Dan Campbell, for as much as many people might think that, you know, what he does is a shtick or they don't like him, this, that, and the next, but... At least, if anything, at least you know what you're getting. Zach Taylor, in my opinion, again, am I, am I trying to crucify the guy because he wanted to just do some coach speak and just blow off a question that was more than valid? Uh, that's a weird question. What's so weird about it? How could it possibly be weird that someone's asking about the health of Joe Burrow and whether or not they're going to continue to play him when they, they rank dead last in the league in offense – Joe Burrow is without question the, the fifth 
or basically bottom five QBs in the NFL right now? It's a fair question. I don't know why Zach shouldn't have just said, yeah, we're in a spot right now where we're in a unique situation and we're going to have to find ourselves out of it. Nobody in this locker room is feeling sorry for ourselves. We know we're not playing well. I don't think that's a, that's not a shocker to anybody in here. And if anybody has an answer as to what, as to what exactly they think that, that we could do, we spend about a hundred hours a week in here trying to figure it out. If they think they have a suggestion, by all means, put it in the suggestion box. That's how I would handle it. Make a mockery of the people that are trying to suggest that you, that you don't know what you're doing. I don't know. We've been to, we've been to two AFC championships back to back with these two, with, with, with these kind of guys. We found success in the past. We're dealt a hand right now that we've not played all that well. And by God, we're not happy about it. And you shouldn't be either. I don't know why that's so hard for guys to do. And you know what? I mean, listen, is it, is it, is it lip service? Is it being a politician by doing what I'm suggesting? No, but how do you not answer that question better? Which again, does it matter at the end of the day? How Zach Taylor handles the press or doesn't handle the press? Maybe not. But I would venture to say that it matters a little bit. For those that think that fans don't matter at all, it's the lifeblood of the sport. Am I overselling what fans mean? Because do I think that you should bow down to fans and how they act and... and, 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 and Start to change things because the fan base wants a certain way? Of course not. That'd be crazy. But I also think it's an opportunity when you speak to the press to be able to, 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 be able to try to, to portray the truth to your most loyalist followers. The people that are watching those press conferences are the reason that you make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think the least that you could be is just honest. I would be. And there's a lot of guys around this league that are honest and they have success. Do you really think, I'll, I'll ask the question to you guys. Do you really think if Zach Taylor came out and said Joe Burrow's not healthy right now and we're trying to find every which way we can to figure out a limited playbook to make all this make sense, do you think the Cardinals, do you think for a second that matters? Honestly. No. No, and it's, 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 been an issue of mine with coach speak for a long time I've watched and again I'm a David Bell guy I know a lot of people are not David Bell guys but David Bell answers pretty much every press conference in the same way he goes about it the same way if, the, if they lose he goes well you just got to be better we just got to we got just got to play better and if it's a win it's like they played great usually he says they played great even if they lost Zach Taylor kind of does the same thing where it's it, he kind of just doesn't answer with honesty he answers and coach speak so I, I would like Zach Taylor to answer with honesty. I don't think it hurts anybody to, to be open and honest about what's happening. Marvin Lewis used to get on people's asses. You go around the league, Mike Tomlin in an in a interview or in, in a press conference after the uh, Texans lost, after they lost 30-6, to six, he basically said, hell yeah, we're going to make changes. This is unacceptable. A little bit of that from Zach would be good, especially when everybody's questioning you as a head coach. And again, I, one of my points that uh, I made before I was rudely interrupted by Spectrum, no free ads, the worst internet service provider of all time. One of the points I, one of the points I was making is that Zach, Zach right now has been criticized for pretty much the same thing every single year. Not a lot of coaches are, are criticized like that. David Bell, in a way, was criticized because uh, he, the way he puts in bullpen guys, when he takes out guys, 
uh, starters too early, blah, 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 blah. Zach Taylor, it's literally the play calling. Zach, you, everybody knows you're not a good play caller, and, and everybody criticizes it year in, year out. But you have this long leash because you've taken us to a Super Bowl, back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. At some point, you'd try to like win favor with the fans at this point if you're not going to be a good play caller. I know he's tried to do that with the with the playoff balls thing. He goes to like bars and hands them out. I think Zach Taylor's a good dude. It's it's nothing nothing like that. He's a culture guy first. The Bengals culture has improved dramatically, and it's and largely because of Zach Taylor and, and the people he's brought into this building. But at the end of the day, we have a serious issue at our hands. We're a Super Bowl front runner, and we don't look like we can play the sport. The, the Bengals look uncompetitive. They're not scoring touchdowns. We've scored three touchdowns in four games. Again, I've made that point. I don't know if people got it or not because of Spectrum, no free ads, but they suck. So when Zach Taylor's at the press conference, when he's at the podium, I'd like a little bit of honesty there. I'd like Zach Taylor to be, be frank with us and be, be like, you know what, Joe Burrow is hurt. But our options are Jake Browning and Joe Burrow. We're going to ride with the guy that we're paying $219 million, and we're going to see if he can play through it. I'm going to trust his decision. I'm going to trust my quarterback. At least be honest in that way. If you're going to stick with it, do it like that. But don't, be, don't sit up there and act shocked that we're all questioning your decisions when what you've laid out for us for four weeks has not worked. Because it hasn't, Zach. It hasn't worked, man. You got to be honest. You got to take a look in the mirror. Somebody somewhere in the, in the front office or coaching staff has to step up and say, Joe Burrow is a problem right now. He needs to either get healthy or we need to we need to lay out a game plan that he can work from. Neither of those things is happening. It seems like they're just laughing off all those questions. And in Joe Burrow, we trust. Casey, uh, Callahan's a guy that's <clears throat> part of that offensive system, right? And then you also have Zach Taylor who calls the plays. And listen, there was people that are, there's people that are uh, certainly of the belief system and, and not only in our chat, but I, you know, uh, Drew's been a guy that's been on our chat for quite some time. He had a take yesterday that I watched that that basically laid out the fact that that Zach Taylor has been a culture guy. He's a good he's a good leader. He's a he's a basically for all intents and purposes, a great head coach. He just is not a good enough offensive coordinator to continue to get the, the, the ability to call plays. And people are asking and I don't want to say screaming, but people are asking the question, should he give that responsibility up to someone else. Callahan is, is at least again, this is where I probably should be more studied in regards to the Bengals and, and how they're structured, but Callahan's a guy that, is he not that guy? And, and, and I guess who does this ultimately fall on? I know the head coach is the ultimate end all be all, but these struggles fall on who mostly to you? It's a mixture. I think honestly, like, I would say it's between Zach and Brian Callahan together. I mean, those two guys are supposed to be offensive-minded coaches that just have not really been up to – and in Natty Ron's words, snuff. They've been not been up to snuff at all. Uh, they rely too much on their guys being 100% and being able to just dominate. Like I said, they – and you've said it too, the back shoulder throws, all that stuff um, – that to me just it has to has to not be the main focal point of this offense anymore. So, yes, Zach Taylor who calls the plays, I'm upset with with the play calling, but I'm also upset with the play design, and I think that falls on both of those guys' shoulders. You gotta you gotta put these guys in more favorable positions. You gotta figure out ways to make opportunities for these guys in space, specifically Jamar Chase. I thought the Rams game plan was really good and it focused a lot on Jamar Chase's skill sets, getting some looks in the middle, 
some some crossing routes, play action, that rollout for Joe Burrow to, to hit Jamar deep, that, that just wasn't there this week. And part of it has to do with the offensive line playing poorly, but there was no effort there either to get those looks either. So, you know. Ricky Logan says in the chat, fewest yards per attempt in any season uh, since 1950. Yeah, it's just unacceptable. I and, and here's the thing, too. When you have this offense, and Trace has been saying it, if you can't scheme up a, an offensive game plan where you score more than three points in an NFL game with a backup quarterback, I agree. And if you have a 0% Joe Burrow, right now we're at about a 50% Joe Burrow, it looks like. If we're at a 0% Joe, Bur Joe Burrow, it still seems to me like you should be able to score more than three points. Utilize the guys you have. Joe Mixon's been playing great, and I know Reed likes to sit up here and say that the Bengals, the Bengals offense is run around Joe Burrow, not Joe Mixon. It's not working with Joe Burrow, and that's, and that's the point. That's the issue here, and they're refusing to change it even though it's, it's Joe Burrow's offense. Joe Burrow hasn't looked like himself. He's not himself. At some point, the, the Bengals need to make an adjustment. It has to happen this week. Because if Joe Burrow is going to throw 20 for 30, have 150 yards, no touchdowns, and a fumble again, we're not winning the game. You're not beating the Arizona Cardinals. You're not beating anybody in the NFL with the way the Bengals have been playing. They sneaked one out against the Rams because of turnovers. But that's it. I mean, that, 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 that's it. The, the, the Bengals' defense is getting torched. They allowed several seven-minute-plus drives to the Tennessee Titans, not even allowing your offense to have a chance. So Zach Taylor needs to get, get it together here. We have this week for the rest of our lives. This Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals is, is the game for our lives. If you go one and four to one of the worst teams in the NFL, you will not make the postseason. And it's not because of, oh, well, there's not enough time. It's because your team isn't good. That's why. If you can't show up, if you can't score more than 20 points against the Arizona Cardinals, we're going to have problems. Big problems. Um, we'll do a chat poll question of the day that I, I don't I, – I, I'm hopefully I can eloquently say this in the way in which my brain is thinking it, but the words obviously that come out of my mouth have to also replicate what my brain's thinking, which oftentimes doesn't always translate. Would you rather have – this Sunday, Joe Burrow look like his old self and win, or Zach Taylor schematically dissect and absolutely outcoach the opponent and win. Because you could argue that both are a great sign for what's to come. You can make the case that maybe Joe Burrow's back to 100% health. It doesn't matter if Zach Taylor isn't able to schematically find ways in which you get to, to get guys open. Because Joe Burrow's already proven that if he's healthy and everything else is, is flowing the way in which it has before, that he can win big-time football games. And win a lot of football games, for that matter. Or would you like to see something out of your head coach more really not even your head coach, but more importantly, the offensive game plan and your play caller to where you start to, you start to win largely because of the schematics, much less of the talent. It's the X's and O's reason instead of the Jimmys and Joes. And the Bengals for, for a very, very long time, as in the last two years, certainly 
have relied a lot on the Jimmys and Joes, and that is what Casey has been trying to illustrate for quite some time about this offense. So how we put that in a chat, I know you're limited on characters over there, Casey, but as a reminder, the chat poll question is simple. Would you rather Joe Burrow look like his old self and win without the schematics, or would you rather see Zach Taylor and this offense dissect because of a game plan and win that way. We'll go around the room really quick and uh, before we get to our mailbag. Also, I know RM has been all over us. He wants you to just go up a little bit on Ellie. Let's 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 make RM happy for the day. Well, we'll do it. Well, you want to do it live or do you just want to I, I mean, RM, what, what what do you want? You want Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just do it like together. That? You want it like that or you want it like this? Uh, that looks great. I think that's fair. That looks good. All right. Uh, which one would you prefer? And then we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the mailbag. I think Joe Burrow's okay. So I, it's, he's just dealing with an injury. We know what Joe Burrow can be. I'm more concerned with Zach Taylor. So I would like Zach Taylor to execute a game plan that works and that dominates the Arizona Cardinals. That is what I would like to see this Sunday. Okay, Casey. I want to see Zach Taylor. I want to see him just absolutely dissect a team. Now, I would prefer it be a, a good team. I mean, the Cardinals, I don't know what to make of the Cardinals. I still would like to see Zach Taylor create a game plan that didn't rely on Joe Burrow to win a ball game. Fair enough. I Grace? think I think, I, I think that uh, we'll get to Chad's uh, um, super chat in just a second. I think if I were a, if I were a, a Bengal fan, um, I would much prefer Zach Taylor to, to – to schematically out scheme somebody because I think it could tell it, it could be the next step in the evolution of what can be the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Cause because so far, you know, I think we can all trust the fact that if Joe Burrow comes back healthy and eventually he will, that he can be his old self. Now I did suggest yesterday, that's never a guarantee. And I mean that it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. But if you had to, if you had to tell me which of the two I would much rather see, it would be Zach Taylor because I'm not sure if we've seen that quite yet. Uh, Chad, he says uh, in his super chat, I'm pulling it up now, what's our record if we had Kyle Shanahan? There's your answer. It's coaching. I mean, listen, you're using the, 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 the cream of the crop analogy. I get what you're doing here, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, but again, when you're starting to compare head coaches to what I think is maybe the best head coach, it's hard. It's, that's, that's a tough ask, right? That's like saying, what if the what if the Reds had prime Justin Verlander instead of whoever it may be? Ben Lively. Well, of course. What's fair to expect, though, is the question I would have. And I think that it is fair to expect a little bit of a better output than being last in the league with the talent that you have, whether whether Joe's hurt or not. And if we can be if we can be a little bit fair, not, 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 not overly fair, because I think people will, will – don't, don't take this the wrong way. The Bengals have played some tough defenses, guys. They have. Now, I, I, know, I know you're going to say the Browns scored 28 points against the Titans. I know you're going to say the Colts just went out there and scored X amount of points against the, the, the Rams. The Ravens have given up points. So maybe that's a bad point. I don't know. I'm just trying to offer a little bit of hope because I think the thing can get back on track. 
it's just going to require some it's going to require some outside the box thinking and it in it i don't want to say it falls solely on zach taylor but man it feels like a lot of this falls at his feet and at some point joe burrow if we're going to be honest as well is going to have to start getting some of the criticism as well if he can't start playing a little bit better all right uh, we have a mailbag question we today. Do. All right. I love that. Let's run the intro now and we'll hear what uh, some Johnny or Missy or somebody in some uh, Frankenstein's class has to say. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Well, hey there, guys. We had a mailbag today. Uh, it's a good one. Today's mailbag comes from Little Ellen. In Mrs. DeGeneres' class, Little Ellen would like to ask, of the 89 teams that have started 1-3 since 2002, 11 teams have actually made it, or about 12%. The Bengals don't have a tight end. T. Higgins is hurt. The defense allows 175 rushing yards a game. Joe Burrow is hobbled, and our punter is horrible. Is our playoff chances 12% or less? Thank you, Ellen, for I, Mrs. DeGeneres' class. Oh, so I'm going to repeat the stat from, I, little, from go, little Ellen. Go ahead. There were 89 teams that have started 1-3 since 2002. 11 of them have made the postseason. That's a 12% chance to make the playoffs from this stat. Do you think it's 12% or less? Thank you, little Ellen. I, I think that uh, I think when these stats get brought up, there's a reason most teams start one and three. The reason that most teams start one and three is because they're just not a good football team. The Bears, the Broncos, uh, among others. When you watch those teams, you know they're just not a good team. So more times than not, certainly the team that starts one and three is not going to make the postseason because they have no chance in the, in, in, in general. However, the one saving grace, if we can use that term, that I would argue is that the Bengals roster and the Bengals are better than what their record suggests. Now, the, let me be clear. The first four weeks, they've deserved that one and three record. This isn't bad luck. This isn't some, some, some bad call here, Correct. bad call there. They have been bad. The only difference that I would say between a lot of those teams that are on that list that haven't made the postseason in the Bengals is they've not had a Joe Burrow, they've not had a Jamar Chase, and they've not had a defense, for, for all intents and purposes, that has been good with most of the same guys. Now, I think at some point, if this defense continues, continues to struggle, I don't know if it's a regression from guys on the defensive line I don't know if maybe the, the, the linebackers, for whatever reason, and again, I have not looked at PFF grades. I don't know what the what, what, what in case you would probably be much more knowledgeable about all this than I would. I don't know if there's been guys that have played better in years past than they are this year that are still on the team. What I mean by that is DJ Reader might have been basically an all-pro type tackle on the defensive line, and then now this year he's just not that same guy. That is possible. Obviously, the name on the back of the uniform stays the same, but the play does not. That is possible. But for the most part, this team lost two guys in the back end that we have said and people have said, and rightfully so, that maybe 
Uh, the safety positions are, are of, I don't want to say they're of no importance. Of course they're not. But of all the positions, they are probably of the lesser importance when it comes to defensive production. Now, you might also add, if you look at Jesse Bates this season, I don't want to say he's basically Troy Polamalu, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty damn good. He's been pretty damn good. So let's not just act like there were nobodies that left. But my point to the question is simple. I think the Bengals are better than their 1-3 and three record. The question is, is can they find a way to get back on track? And that is going to be answered very shortly. It's going to be answered this coming Sunday, and it's certainly going to be answered the following Sunday. And then you got a chance to rest, recuperate. What's your record look like when you go into the bye? And by all means, if it's not fixed by the bye week, and forget about it. We all know that. But if there's a silver lining in this season, if I can provide a little bit of hope, if I can provide just a little bit of a... Of, of, uh, a glitz and glamour for what has been a terrible start for the Bengals is this. It's a blessing that they have the people, and I say people, but the teams, I should say. It's a blessing they have the teams on their schedule that they have at this time. Because, yes, those teams look daunting at the end of the season, right? That stretch after the bye, you got tough opponent after tough opponent after tough opponent. But this was the same thing that was said last year about this same franchise, remember? Oh, look at how tough the back half of their schedule is. And they did nothing but win, 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 and win. Now, can you replicate that? Who knows? But there's also the chance of injury for those teams that look really, really good right now. And I'm not suggesting that you root for injuries. But if Christian McCaffrey, and let's just say, for instance, a couple of those linebackers from the 49ers get hurt, or Brock Purdy, for heaven forbid, he goes down, and now you're quarterbackless, those things can happen. And although the optics of what you have on the back end right now look very daunting, it can change. But the teams you have right in front of you right now, I'm not saying they're easy games because there is no easy games in the NFL. But they certainly are more apt to allow you to get back on track versus having to play teams that are really, really, really good. Do you really want to play the 49ers this week? Do you really want to have to play even the Seahawks? This week, do you want to have to play the Chiefs this week? Now, Steelers maybe, because they don't look all that great. Maybe you'd like to play the Browns this week because they have an injury. And that's my point. We're not wishing injury, and I'm not suggesting that I'm wishing injury on any teams. But what do the Chiefs look like if Patrick Mahomes has something happen and he's not able to play the same week that, the, that, that they play the Bengals? It is a little bit of a blessing that they have the Cardinals yeah. this week. And it, that's why I said there's some silver lining well, to the fact nonsense. that you're four-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm just saying. That's still nonsense. But the, the, the point is, you look at last year's team, right, and even though they didn't look great the first four weeks, they looked competitive. The, the Bengals we all knew and loved were there. They just weren't winning games. They weren't executing. This year, it's just it's, there's nothing there. This isn't the team that we've come to, we've come to know. This is not the same team. If, if, if we were scoring 25 points a game and the defense was, was giving up a lot of yards, a lot of, a lot of points, and we were 0-4 we were right now, I'd say, you know what? All right, we know our issue. Let's fix it. The defense has been bad. we got to fix it. we got to do something to help our defense right now because the offense is doing their job. Nobody's doing their job. The defense is bad. The offense is bad. The special teams unit is bad. That's my concern. So that's why I don't think that the Bengals are, are in for a successful, a fruitful season this year. 
because at no point this season have they looked complete. They've, they've looked incomplete every single game. And again, we, we snuck one away from, from the Rams. We stole that game from them. And I know, I know Reed likes to sit up here and say that if you win a game in the NFL, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how you look. It matters how you look a little bit. It matters how we're looking right now. When we've scored three points in two games, we've scored three offensive touchdowns in four games. I don't think the Bengals are in for a fruitful season if, they're gonna, if this is going to continue. This is, this is going to be a disaster season if Zach Taylor and the coaching staff keep running the same plays, keep, keep operating this offense like we have a healthy Joe Burrow. We don't. We do not have a healthy Joe Burrow. You have to start changing it, and you have to start changing the way this team looks right now. Has to start now. I'm hoping they can turn it around, and, it's, and by all means, it's, an early, it's early in the season. But I would rather be 0-4 and our offense look competent than 1-3 and and whatever the hell is happening with our team right now. Because if we're 0-4 and the offense is clicking and we just need our defense to figure it out a little bit, I can look at this season and go, you know what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna score as many points as the Chiefs. It's just up to our defense. Right now, when we play the Chiefs later on this year, I'm looking at that right now and I'm saying, we're not going to outscore them. We're not going to stop them. We're going to do nothing right in that game. And we're going to get blown out by 30. That's, that's, where the, that's where the issue is. That's where the difference is. It doesn't look competitive. They don't look, they don't look like they're comfortable out there. No one looks good. It's not the same team. It's not the same issue as last year where it's like they went on a miracle run. They, the Bengals were still there last year. They, are, they have not entered the 2023 season yet. That's my issue. Casey? Um, without just repeating the same points that Elliot just very, very well illustrated, um, I'm going to just – kind of give a, a, a look into the Cardinals and why I think this game might be a little different. The games that we've lost, we've lost because the teams have very good pass rush. Um, whether we like to admit it or not, the one best spot on the Titans roster at the current moment is their pass rush. Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, they just torch the Bengals. And they have a really good blitzing schematic game plan that allowed them to take advantage of our offensive line. Same thing with the Ravens. They sent a lot of zero look blitzes. Joe Burrow can't move. What I'll say is in order for the team to win against the Cardinals, they have to, they have to be able to protect Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow has got to be able to get the ball out on, on overloaded blitzes. I think that's the biggest problem at the current moment is that when it comes to the blitz, Joe Burrow is the bottom of the league right now, the very bottom, which is not like him at all. So in order for that to, for this team to turn it around, that that's the number one priority for me. What do you do when you get the zero looks, the overloaded blitzes? How does Joe Burrow look then? Can he get the ball out in time? Do they have routes game planned in there for him to get the ball out? And then do they have a game plan where they can run the ball effectively, pull guys, have some sort of power run game to give some some relief to Joe Burrow? That's that's what they have to do in order to win this ball game. And I'm just looking at Arizona. They don't have guys, they don't have like a dude on the defense. It's just a bunch of guys. They should be able to they should be able to get some some movement up front. They should be able to protect 
a four-man pass rush. And if they can't do that, then we're just in for a long season. So that was what I would be looking at as my keys to this game. Can they protect Joe Burrow against the pass rush, a four-man pass rush effectively enough for him to make the throws that they need? And when it comes to the overloaded blitzes, the zero-look blitzes, can Joe Burrow get it out in time? Can he find that open guy, dice teams up like he always used to? I think defensively, they're going to have their opportunities. I mean, they, they, the offense is putrid for the, Raven, or for the Cardinals as well. Um, that offensive line is not good. And uh, Trey Hendrickson should have a field day. Sam Hubbard, you got to have a better pass rush win rate than, than five. Same with DJ Reader. You can't be a starting defensive lineman and expect to be making big money when you're only winning 5% of the time. That's horrendous. And same for the rest of the defensive line. I mean, they're not much better. So those are my keys to the game is can the defensive front and the offensive front do what they need to do to win the ballgame? Yeah, if you can't beat Josh Jobs, I can't help you. I really can't. If, you, if you're unable to beat Josh Dobbs, if you're un, unable to get to Josh Dobbs and make him look like a scrub quarterback, which he is, I, you, you're going to have no success this season. You know, the only thing that I, I, I keep thinking, obviously, this is a must-win, 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 and it, and it certainly feels that way. It is. Um, and for all intents and purposes, it probably is, but a the only thing that gives me apprehension for saying that is I don't know how good this conference is. I don't know how good the AFC North truly is. So if you're going to have the Ravens and certainly uh, a quarterbackless Browns right now, I know how long that will continue, I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, and certainly the Steelers. How many of these games are those folks going to win outside the division? And if the answer is not a lot, well, then you still have a chance to to, to – to, to gain ground on them by head-to-head play, yes. And also, if, again, 9-7 and seven wins this conference, um, then, and by conference I should say division, then, then at some point you can't continue to say the season's over no matter what this week. But it more or less comes down to, in another, in another a question that would really be... Um, oxymoronic and wouldn't make any sense but it's almost like how much do you value a win this week over how you look now obviously you'd want to you'd want your cake and eat it too by you'd want to look good and also win but it's almost like if this offense went out and scored 40 points and there was a bunch of fluke plays that happened and somehow the the the, the cardinals you know scored 41 now this is the worst analyst or uh, hypothetical in the history of sports maybe but you, hopefully you can kind of understand where i'm going with this it almost, to a certain extent, would you feel better if this offense looked, like, immaculate? And, again, it would have to be a bunch of fluky plays because I know everyone's going to say, well, the defense gave up 41 to the Cardinals, so how are we going to feel good about that? I'm I'm just trying to suggest that it's like, or would you rather win 6-3 to three and Joe Burrow still looks abysmal and, and the offense oh, that's, is yeah, fresh? That's, like, that's – that there, 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 there's, there's more ways. And, again, that's where Reed's point – it has a lot of validity and truth – I just, I just wonder if no matter what happens this week, if they lose, the season's over. I can't totally buy into that. If the, if, it, if the scenario plays out like you just said and our offense looks competent and Zach Taylor is able to slice and dice the Arizona Cardinals, 
and they somehow lose, if they're able to, if they lose the game and they look great, I'll take that. Like I, I said it, if they if they were zero and four right now opposed to one and three, but they look decent in these games, I would rather have that than what we're seeing right now. One and three and not looking like a competent football team is is disaster. I'd rather them lose this week and look good and just say because then I'll I'll buy into that into that crowd. I'll buy into the well. It's so early in the season. Because it is. You're, you'd be 1-4 if they lose. But if they show me life, then I can say, all right, they're 1-4. We have 12 football games left. Let's go to work. So I can, I can get behind that. If, if, if Joe Burrow can show me something where he looks like a decent quarterback, he's running a little bit. I'm not saying he has to be Patrick Mahomes out there sprinting around the field. But move out of the pocket, man, just, to, for, just for a bit. If, I, if I'm able to see the Bengals offense look like the Bengals offense of old, I'll be okay no matter what with this result. Because as of right now, it looks like the season's over for me anyway. So a loss, a win, doesn't matter. I just want to see him look decent. I just want to see the team come back. Three offensive touchdowns. Three. We we had a uh, we had a super chat from No, and he was want, he's wanting to ask a fantasy question, and unfortunately, I don't know if uh, if he's going to be able to ask it. He might have already left. Maybe the internet came out or went out. Who knows? But No, if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, it's not going to be certainly me that you're going to want me to answer because I don't do a lot of fantasy football. I used to get into fantasy football. I used to like it uh, an immense amount. And uh, I got to be honest, it, it changed the way that I viewed and watched football so much that that. When the playoffs came around and I didn't have fantasy anymore and I was able just to watch the games for what they were, I kind of realized that I just needed to stop playing fantasy football because I just wanted to enjoy watching football again the way that, you know, it's just a game and you get to get, you don't have to root for every little small detail and this, that, and the other. And again, I know there's many people that love fantasy football and I'm not suggesting for a second that it, that it, that you shouldn't love it. It's just that I, I fell in love. I fell out of love with it very much for that same reason and sometimes you know if we're going to be honest uh gambling although i you know uh, there's no doubt that i've been a gambler for for a long time legal age of course shout out bedfred if you have a gambling problem call 100 gambler 21 plus in ohio but even even that sometimes if we're being honest it, it takes away from just the joy of watching the games tonight um you know there's major league baseball it starts uh, here in a shoot short few hours um Hopefully, you get a chance to, to, to just sit back and relax and watch the games. I'm looking forward to, to, to just kind of, you know, for, for lack of a better term, enjoying the game for what it is. This is going to go against what you're going to say. Casey, can you get up? Can we, can we go in the vault for just a second? <laughs> can we go in the vault for just a second? Go in the vault? Yeah, let's go in the vault. Can we go in the vault for a second? Yeah, I just we'll, go the, we'll go in the vault. I just wanted to go in the vault. I know Trace was just been on the and let's enjoy games for the purity, but I'd like to go in the vault. Let's win some money. Responsibly. I haven't been able to do that for very long. So right now, we have four playoff games in the MLB. And I, I, to Trace's point, there is a point to being where it's like, I watch sports for the purity of the sport. I just like enjoying it. I like sitting back and just enjoying the show. There is a point to that. But for me personally, when I was young, fantasy football got me hooked on NFL football. I was not the biggest NFL guy NFL guy in grade school. When I got to high school, I started playing fantasy football. I'm like, all right, the 4 o'clock games have implications on my season. It really got me hooked on it. So that's, I think that's where – that's a different argument, a different side of Trace's point, but I do get his point. Uh, but for me, it, it, gambling and fantasy football have made me love these sports even more. It makes me watch soccer when I don't want to watch soccer. So that's just a different side. Tonight, you're going to take – responsibly, of course – First inning unders in all of these games. 
Every single one of these games is going to be about minus 125, minus 130, depending on which one you look at. But take the first inning under. These are the aces. These are the best pitchers you're going to see. Take the first inning under 0.5 runs. I love this bet. People are going to say it's a sucker bet, and it is. I think like 60% of the time it loses. But tonight in the playoffs, no runs are going to be scored in these games. Take the under in the games, but most importantly, take the under in the first inning. 0.5. I'm the worst gambler you know, so take it responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER. Bedford Sportsbook, perhaps the greatest sportsbook known to man. You like that. You're going to go the nerfy route for all the games. Nerfy for every game. That's right. First no game. runs first inning for those that wonder what nerfy means. But no, no run, no runs first inning. Uh, it starts at three o'clock today, so we're just gonna be start sweating them in the office. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I think more playoffs should do that. By the way, start games at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Well, that sounds great for those that want to watch them on TV. But I, I am reminded uh, very distinctly back in 2012 when the Cincinnati Reds played three postseason games at Great American Ballpark and they got the shaft. This fan base got the absolute shaft at one night game. And then they proceeded to give the Reds two day games in the middle of a work week. I don't know. Maybe they can fly that out there on the West Coast. But most people uh, here in uh, the Midwest, they work for a living. Usually during working hours, more times than not. West Coast. I don't really love it. I got to be honest. We got plenty of screens. We have plenty of television screens. Do you think for a second that Major League Baseball, people are like, oh, man, let me make sure that I can watch all four games today. I want to sit on my couch and watch Major League Baseball for nine straight hours. Yep. They don't do that. There's like maybe, maybe, maybe a couple percent of people that do that. We're talking small percentages of people. It is an absolute crime. That you play 162 games to bust your ass to get into the postseason. And then you turn around and you tell a fan base, oh, by the way, who's playing today at 3 o'clock? Uh, it's the Rangers-Rays. The Rays. Well, no one cares about the Rays down there anyways. But if it wasn't for the Rays, you're asking a fan base on a Tuesday to be able to get off of work and go and watch, and basically go attend the games at 3 o'clock. Make them all night games. If you want to separate them out by 30 minutes, so be it. If you want to start a game on the East Coast at 8.45, 9 o'clock, who gives a damn? Do that. But no, we got to make sure that all the television providers, they're not they, the games don't overlap. That is so stupid, man. I'm telling you right now, Major League Baseball, and I mean this wholeheartedly, they, they need somebody to, to talk a lot of sense in their marketing this is a regional sport, man. Yeah, do you want to convince yourself that it's a national sport because you want to make yourself feel better? Go ahead. Who do you think's watching the Rangers versus the Rays today at 3 o'clock? Not many people. Play the thing at night for the fans. If I, if I, if I have to go to one more Reds game when they busted their tail to get in the postseason and you decide to put them on back-to-back -back days at 12.35 during the middle of a work week because you just want people to watch it on television, it's an absolute disgrace. People have multiple TVs now. Hell, be smart. At some point, maybe, just maybe, you can negotiate the idea or the opportunity to have a red zone type channel or a channel to where you can click the games and it's got all four of them up. But guess what? 
The truth is, is there's just nobody that really cares about all of them. So why don't you make them all at a time in which the people that actually do care can go to the games and watch? All right. I know. Toxic Trace. There he goes again. One rebuttal. Ranting. There's nothing worse than the 9.38 p.m. tip-off for the national championship game on a Monday night. That's the that's my only exception. There's only one game. Yeah, but at nine, it's too late. 9.38. I understand, but that game could get played earlier because there's not another game going on at the same time in their minds. So they, they don't have an excuse to start that game at 9.38 is my point. So I'm with you. Those games shouldn't start that late. We're on the same page okay, there. Okay, we're on the same page. But, but, but I'm just saying, like, there's start them all at a decent time. How about that? Yeah. I mean, is there is there is there really I mean, seriously, and I'm sure someone would be like, well, here's the data. Here's the data. Well, there's, there's what, fifty thousand more people that are gonna watch the Rays game today and the Rangers game today because because they started at three o'clock and people can watch it on TV and they they'll watch that game because it's on TV, but they wouldn't have watched it at seven o'clock because I don't know, the twins are playing. Uh who are the twins playing? They're playing Blue Jays. Uh, Blue Jays. All I'm saying is it's a disgrace to the fan base that tries to go to the games, Elliot. And that's all I'm saying. It is an absolute disgrace. If the, Put it this way. If the Reds made the postseason and they had a game today at 3 o'clock down at Great American Ballpark, do you, ha- you know how wrong that is? You know how disgusting that is? Just because you want to get them all on television and they, they separate themselves out? Who gives a shit? Give the fans a chance to go down there, tailgate, have fun, make the... The NFL plays how many games at 1 o'clock on Sunday? Why don't they just make them all, like, staggered then? We'll start them at 11, and we'll start them at 2, and we'll start them at 4, we'll start them at 6, we'll start them at 8. Why? Because the NFL realized that's just a nice, solid time to sit down and watch your television at 1 o'clock after church, after you get lunch, after you wake up from a Saturday bender. Maybe one day Major League Baseball will uh, find a way to market themselves a little bit better than they have been, and they won't start playoff games at 3 o'clock on a Tuesday. I don't know. All right. Thank you guys for listening to me rant and rave about something maybe you care about, maybe you don't. Maybe you disagree with me, maybe you don't. Um, But outside the internet outage, I hope you enjoyed the show. As a reminder, uh, at the top of the show, I just ask for something simple. It's all just, you know, take a step back, let things settle down, and make our judgment on things when we get all the facts. And maybe we should do the same for Zach Taylor. We'll find out if he can find a way this Sunday to right, right, right some wrongs. But we are here every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Which means that we'll be back here tomorrow. Hopefully better than ever. Tom Brenneman will join us. We'll get his thoughts. And we'll certainly interact with all of you. Thank you for making us a part of your day. We love you. See you tomorrow, everybody.